This is According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell, McPherson's sports talk show. They couldn't believe I didn't watch The Office. I've never seen The Office. Don't know about The Office. <laughs> Listen Monday through Friday from 1230 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. Sings it for the end zone. Caught by Kelsey on a slant. Touchdown, Kansas City. According to Jim is your home for the McPherson Bullpup. Jay Tittleman, a three for the tie. Off the backboard, it's gone. Jay Tittleman makes it in. Off the buzzer, and we've got overtime. Everything happening in the sports world. As you know, Monty, Vaughn's been working on a couple of new pitches, the Eliminator and the Humiliator to complement his fastball, the Terminator. And even some things not happening in the sports world. I fear the Reaper today. Yeah, because I, I feel too. I just feel like death warmed over today. <laughs> I really do. Now it's time for According to Jim. Here's Jim Joyner and Steve Sell. Let's do this thing. Another edition of According to Jim right here on 96.7 FM KBBE. Or for those of you listening online, worldwide, at midkansasonline.com. I'm Jim Joyner. Joining me as always... The most popular man in McPherson, Mr. Steve Sell. Did anybody yell at you for anything April Fools related yesterday? Did they say you posted this story and it was a lie? No, in you're fact, an April Fool. In fact, I saw less April Fool stuff than I've seen in a long time. I felt like I did too. I really did. I just felt like there wasn't, you know, normally people always, you know, you look on Facebook and you think someone's going to post something, say, "Oh, April Fool." You, I'm pregnant. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see any of that this year. And on TV, I ran off to Vegas and got married. Yeah, and on TV, you know, you really didn't. I didn't see much on April Fool. I didn't other either. Chris Matthews did something on MSNBC. Other than that, I didn't see anything. I guess maybe one of the only things that we could have been questioning was John Calipari and him being offered a lifetime deal to finish his career at the University of Kentucky, and that was after some rumors were speculating that. UCLA had offered him, I believe, a six-year, $48 million contract to go coach the Bruins. And I don't know about you, Steve, but it feels like the jobs that are open in college basketball and the names that are being mentioned and accompanied with these jobs, it's like the weakest coaching change year that I can remember. Yeah. Has, has Greg Marshall's name come up? No, I haven't heard that name see, rumored once. And normally at this time of year, Greg Marshall's name is up for every job in the country. That's probably because Wichita State wasn't very good this year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the UCLA job's really interesting to me. It, it's kind of like uh, Royals fans hanging on to the 2015 World Championship and refusing to let it go. UCLA fans still think of their program as, you know, the years of John Wooden. I That's what I grew up watching was UCLA's dominance when I was in you know, in, in junior high and high school, that's in when you... 64, 65, yeah, right. 67, that's 68, 64, 69, yes. 70, 71, 72, 73, 75. I started watching college basketball in, in 65. So, you know, I was part of the John Wooden, you know, and they just dominated. Back then, though, you have to remember, the NCAA tournament was only 16 teams. So you really had, you know, it was the elite of the elite. But UCLA fans still think of their program as, you know, it needs to be wooden-esque. And it's just not going to happen. That's That was a different era. Uh, you know, the, everybody would want to – it's kind of like UCLA was the Duke of this time. Everybody wanted to go to UCLA. And they won 10 out of 12 championships, I believe it well, was. Well, the problem was they need Lonzo Ball 
They need LeVar Ball. They need them back at UCLA. I don't think Big Baller would. You need, they need Big Baller. I don't think, no. I, we saw what a disaster Big Baller was. One son lasted one year. Another son never even got to play because he got arrested in, what, China or something and ended up getting kicked off and he headed to Bulgaria and played. And I don't know what's happened to the other little baller. He's still in high school. He's still in high school. Well, Steve, you hit on a point there that I didn't mean to dive into this today, but I, I thought this would be a nice transition. You talked about how it was just a 16-team field and how dominant UCLA was throughout that stretch, and you heard me rattle off all the different years that they won an NCAA championship. And this is something that my dad and I talk about a lot in comparing men's college basketball right now to women's college basketball at the Division One level. And not trying to knock any of the women's game because I really like women's basketball. I've always covered it. I, I, I've been around a lot of really good girls and women's basketball programs. Right. But when you look at the way their tournament is set up and the way their infrastructure is built with the powers at the top, we talked a little bit about Virginia and UMBC the other day. Now that Virginia's in the final four, but they lost to a one or to a 16 seed, they were a one seed. Where in women's college basketball today, that almost just can't happen. No, no. And the gap from one to 16 in men's is much closer today than it has ever been. Right. On the women's side, UConn, you throw in Baylor. I think Oregon has been very good this year. South, Notre Dame. Mississippi State. South Carolina. I didn't Mississippi even see who made, who made the Final Four. Did you see? I don't know. Okay. I, don't know I don't know where they're, they're at in their tournament. They're, I think they've, they've clinched all the Final Four is already determined. But what we're saying here is that the 1 to the 16, the gap between those two, is very similar to what that gap would have been like throughout the Wooden Era, where the best team in the tournament compared to the worst team in the tournament there's no comparison. Well, there was shock and dismay when this year UConn, for the first time in what seems like an eternity, was a number two seed. Right. Well, that didn't stop them because <laughs> I think I know they made the Final Four because I think they beat Louisville. So um, yeah, it's UConn, Notre Dame, Baylor, and Oregon. So we wow. almost hit all the ones. Wow, exactly. I don't know who the one that didn't make it, but I don't think Oregon was a one, were they? Mississippi State was a one, and they lost to Oregon. Louisville was a one, they lost to UConn. And then the other ones were a one. But what we're saying with this is that women's college basketball, it doesn't have that same depth where those ones, twos, threes, and fours are really, really good. Now, Missouri State, they pulled a big upset. They were an 11 seed this year, Jackie Stiles' team. Yeah. And they reached the Sweet 16 but that was even still an anomaly where it was 1-2, one, 1-2, two, one, two, one, two, one, two right. in, in the Elite Eight. Very chalky. And it's interesting when, we, when you look back at UCLA's run throughout the 70s especially. Once the, the field was expanding and you were starting to see more teams make the tournament, UCLA with Kareem and Bill Walton, they weren't going to lose to Bethune-Cookman. And remember back then, Lou Alcindor, before he became Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he was Lou Alcindor throughout college. Right. But that's back when players were at schools for three years because there was no – you couldn't jump to the well, NBA. Well, and when you couldn't play as a freshman. You could not play as a freshman because when Lou Alcindor was at UCLA, his freshman team beat the varsity, and the varsity had three starters back from a team that just won the national championship. And I think they went on to win a championship that year. Yeah. And, and you know, Alcindor, I think he only lost two games in his three years of college. Bill Walton – Maybe lost. They didn't lose much. I don't think they hardly lost. And, you know, so there was six years right there where UCLA won. 
So, you know, they, there were some years where they were Waltonless and Alcinderless and still won the national championship. But it's really interesting to look at the way that women's basketball is set up and, and the way that power works, where even for UConn to be a two seed this year, that means that there are some programs that are starting to get a whole lot better. And Mississippi State is maybe the, the big-name program that has improved a ton over the last couple of years. Right. South Carolina won the championship a couple of years ago, but you still see those same programs. And I think it will still be another 10 or 15 years before some of those non-traditional powers can continue to get better and where they get to the point where there's about 16 teams that can legitimately win an NCAA championship, where now it's about and five. It's, and it's really interesting. You know, it seemed like Duke was kind of the villain. You either love Duke or they're the team that you just want to see beat. And in women's college basketball, it's UConn. Because I think Gino, Gino's pretty arrogant. Gino Ariema, the coach. And he kind of rubs a lot of people the wrong way. So I think it's like the worlds against UConn, except for their fans. Who knows? Maybe it will be Taylor Robertson and the Oklahoma Sooners that are able they to almost make beat the tournament UConn. in the next couple of they years. They almost beat UConn this year. Hopefully they can get things they going, and it'll T- be the Sooners at the top. T-Rob scored like 23, I believe, against UConn. They had them down 12 in that game, and then UConn came back, I think, and went by like 8 or 9. Steve, we're talking about postseason basketball tournaments. Do you have any interest in the NIT happening tonight well wichita state is in it so and there's a two big 12 teams so does that mean that you're interested but or we'll be, is it just on and you're just it's just on it's probably what i'm gonna score. watch but but you know wichita state uh, used the nit as a springboard i think they won it like in greg marshall's second or third year i believe they won it the year before they made their tournament run exactly the that, that was the, that would have been 2012 yeah that was the springboard and now you know they're you know, they've had a nice run. This year they were down. They made a nice run in their tournament, uh, made it to the finals of the uh, uh, American, whatever that conference is. The American the, Athletic the, Conference. The, the American yeah. Athletic Conference. And, you know, the old question is, would you rather lose in the first round of the NCAA or win the NIT? I would rather lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I, th- I think it carries more prestige, you know, in recruiting. But uh, when you look at these teams that are in the NIT, well, what Texas it is, was a bottom feeder in the Big 12. TCU was a bottom feeder. I mean, they weren't West Virginia. If, if you win the tournament, you're we're number 69. We're number 69. Yeah. You know, but you know, for Wichita State, the more games, the better. You know, under a tournament format, so you know it kind of helps them. And then you got Texas and TCU, which you know I th- I don't think anybody outside of Texas is really going to care about that game. But I don't think anybody at Madison Square Garden will care about that game either. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of crowd they get tonight. The 1,718. N- yeah, but you know the NIT, there was a time the NIT carried almost as much weight as the NCAA, which is really hard to believe. Because remember, there were Which only, is just really dumb, I yeah, think. Yeah, but there were only 16 teams in the NCAA tournament. That left a lot of good teams, you know, that went to the NIT. Now you're... We did a lot of weird things with sports. Yeah. 50 years ago. Yeah, we did. We'd play football games and go, all right, it's tied up 3-3 at the end of regulation. That's it. <laughs> See you guys later. Yeah. Well, we, we got played... three teams that are that are 11-0. and 0. Hey, you're all national champions. There you go. Give them the UCF treatment. Yeah, there you go. We did some really weird things in your early days. Mm-hmm. Or it could be like with baseball, how we just had the American League West and the American League East winner. They right. didn't divide it up and get more games and more playoff opportunities. Right. Probably five-game series until you get to the World Series. Well, back in back in my day, it was just, 
you know, the two teams, the East winner played the West winner. I think it was best of five, and then you had the World Series. And so, before that, it was the American League winner against the National right, League winner. And, yeah, but remember. Back in the day, they said, hey, we'll just have five hey, games. Hey, there there was a time where, let's face it, before 1956, I think St. Louis was the farthest West team that had baseball in, in Major League Baseball. We did some really funny things back in the day. Well, you had no, we're getting you, better. You had no Los Angeles. You had no San Francisco. You know, you had no Well, they were there. They just didn't have teams. Right, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, well, what year did California become a state? It wasn't until like, what was it? I'm trying to remember my uh, geography that I learned in, uh, I want to say like 1948 or something like that. That would be very surprising. Or maybe it was 19. I think that's like Alaska. No, no, it has to be in early 1900s because the, there was the earthquake in 1906 in San Francisco. Well, it was a thing like in the mid-1800s because they were going out there for the gold rush. There you go. I got to figure out what year it became a state. Well, well, Steve, I hate to burst your bubble. 1867. But it was admitted to the Union in 1850. Okay. So well, California's been around a decent Obviously, my time. independence education. <laughs> 1948. I'm going on sports teams because you didn't see... Any NBA teams out there? I mean, Minneapolis, I think, was the farthest west with the Lakers. So, wow, I did 1850 for California. That's, <laughs> okay, all right. They had like Disney World by well, I just, 1960. I just, I just insulted Disneyland. I just insulted my history teacher, Mr. Singleton, because Mr. I'm, Singleton I'm, would be I, smacking his forehead. I'm, I'm sure he'd say he'd say he always called me Little Doc. He said, "Little Doc, come on now, what what are you thinking?" <laughs> Well, I think he would certainly be saying that. She started to go 19 for him. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> well, I, I, I think that's Alaska I, and Hawaii. I equated it with sports teams, though. That that's was, true. That was the problem. We all equate things with sports exactly. teams. Exactly. I'll, I'll give you credit, Steve. I think California was a state before Kansas. You have to remember. But I'm giving you credit. I'm perpetually confused. You I, are. I really am. All right, Steve. Let's take our first break. When we come back, you want to talk about the Royals let's and talk their opening Royals. weekend? We didn't get to touch yeah, on let's them talk yesterday. Some Let's talk about the Royals. We'll do that next. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You're listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 12.30 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com. We're back on this afternoon supporting to Jim, 96.7 FM KBBE. Jim Joyner, Steve Sell getting ready for a busy day of baseball coming up later this afternoon as We'll be making the trip up to Salina for the Bullpups to be taking on Salina Central at 3 o'clock and then Topeka West at 5. But before we do that, Steve, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Kansas City Royals and maybe a statement that I can make today and maybe won't be able to make very many more times for the rest of the season, the first place Kansas City Royals, who That's are at 2-1 right. and one in the American League Central. Good opening weekend for them. I felt like they were able to walk away with a series against the White Sox with a lot of positives. They left the fans feeling happy. Of course, they didn't win their finale on Sunday. But I think there was a little bit of optimism about the Royals this Well, weekend. they're going to be a fun team to watch just because of their speed. I mean, they're really... They play hard. They play hard. Uh, they're good defensively. They run the base as well. But I think in the end, the, the big detriment for him is going to be starting pitching. 
I was reading something earlier today, or it might have been yesterday, that was talking about how the Royals, in terms of overall team speed, that they're one of the fastest teams that MLB baseball has been able to track in like the last 15 years. When you throw in guys like Whit Merrifield that led the MLB in stolen bases last year, you've got Billy Hamilton out there, Adalberto Mondesi is fast. Now it helps that Salvador Perez won't be playing much this year. Right, he won't and, be and clogging, get, up, get his, clogging up get the bases. Get his slow butt off the bases <laughs> and get him off of the off the books. But with this team speed, it feel, and plus I think Terrence Gore is yeah, still on the and, roster. Yeah, and Ned Yost, I don't think he found a way to get Gore on the field those first three games. I don't remember him playing if he did I, I i don't remember it but with this royals team because of that speed we might see them play a more similar brand of what we saw with them in the 2014 season and 2015 obviously it was a, a similar team that went on to win the world series but they didn't play as much of that same small ball and part of that was getting kendrys morales into the lineup and being able to hit a few more home runs i think in well right 2014, now 14 they hit 95 home runs right now they're on pace to hit zero yeah, they, they haven't been playing the long ball. They much. they uh they have other than a couple triples by Mondesi, they have not really uh, struck the ball with authority, so to speak. But I think that's what we're going to see a little bit more from this Royals team is singles, some doubles, maybe a couple of triples from the fast guys. But when you look up and down the lineup, there aren't very many big name home run hitters. Mondesi, no. Hamilton, no. Merrifield, he could hit fifteen. Well, he hit. He hit. 19 one year, but that's not his game. Solaire, yeah, he's a power guy. Yeah. And he's got a couple of doubles this year. Maldonado at catcher. No. Not a, not a fast guy, but not really a power hitter. Alex Gordon, not a ton of home runs. Not anymore. Off of that bat. Not anymore. Maybe Lucas Duda. Yeah. Maybe he could be their big home run threat. Well, Ryan O'Hearn's a guy. O'Hearn and Dozier, I think if the Royals had their druthers, they'd get 50 home runs for those two guys combined. Because O'Hearn hit like he hit several home runs in August and September last year. He's kind of the big hope because he's got some serious power. The other thing that I was optimistic about with this team over the weekend, Steve, was their starting pitching. I thought the starting pitching was fairly good this weekend. Now, Jorge Lopez wasn't great on Sunday. But he only had one bad inning. And, and he gave up four runs and five innings of work. But I thought Jacob Junis was really good. Brad Keller was exceptional on opening day. Now, is Keller starting tonight? I'll have to take a look at because I was thinking what their the Royals probables look like. I They've had th- enough days off. I was going to say, with all the open days, I think Ned Yost. Yeah, Brad is, Keller tonight. I, I think Ned Yost is going with like a three-man rotation because there's so much rest. They've got Homer Bailey down in Omaha, you know, making starts down there. I think he's supposed to be the fourth guy. I don't even know. Phil Meyer, I think, is the fifth guy when the season really gets rolling. But Well, it's probably not a good sign that they don't have any projected pitchers for the next four days listed on their on their schedule. And and that's going to be a problem here early on. Well they're in the carrying season. they're carrying like ten relievers right now. <laughs> Just give Ian Kennedy but, after his great closing role. Throw him back into the rotation. Yeah, he he he, he got the save. Uh, it was a little shaky, but he got the save. But Ned Yost, uh, I always I always crack up at Ned's post game press conference. You know they when they after they won their second game, you think he'd be all excited. And he got asked a question, and he made, he made, you know he became a curmudgeon right away. You oh know? sure. He goes, "Why did you have to ask that question?" You know, because I asked him about the closer. He says, "I'm going to mix and match." You know, I'm going to. I don't have to tell you what I'm going to do. So, <laughs> Ned's getting kind of testy in his elder years. I would like to see you give a press conference, Steve. Me give a press conference? Yeah. Oh, I don't think so. I think you would be a treat. 
you you would be Bobby Knight esque. You'd be Ned Yost esque. That you would be able to really deliver some some good quotes for the newspaper. Well, Coach Kenneman does. I always get a kick out of his. He does a post, good job. And Coach Stradman, but Coach Kenneman's can be pretty entertaining. He well, can just grab that microphone. He and, does and take go to shots. Town. He does take shots at me though, so. I don't know why. I don't do anything to deserve shots. Every now and then he'll he'll take a little jab at oh, yeah. you. Yeah. You certainly wouldn't deserve that. Though. No, no. As for the Royals this week, Steve, sort of a weird schedule. I think they got a bunch of open dates. So in they were off yesterday. They're playing at home against the Twins tonight and Wednesday, which I think weather will be fine these right. next couple of days. And as you look at attendance over the weekend, Saturday a little cold. 13,000. Yeah. Sunday, a little colder, 12,000. Well, they only had 31,000 for their season opener. Yeah, that was is, opening day. That's normally they sell all their they, they seats about 40,000. Well, remember there was big weather delay too. Yeah. So that might have kept some people away. But you still count tickets sold. No, attendance is how many were in the seats. Okay, I wonder I thought they went with number of tickets. There sold. are some places that inflate it like the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. Have you seen some pictures of their but, crowds? But you it's know, bad. yeah. But that's, Toronto, it's bad. Yeah, Miami or Florida, whatever they're called now, it's bad. Well, those teams aren't expected to win, and you know the fans are already staying away, and they're three games into the season. So tonight and tomorrow afternoon, they'll be taking on the Twins tonight at home, seven fifteen. Tomorrow, twelve fifteen. So we're going to carry that throughout the afternoon. That think that we'll record something and. Throw it up there for the According to Jim show at like 5 o'clock. Okay. Do something that way tomorrow. Thursday afternoon, they start a three-game road trip with the Tigers. So they're going to play Thursday at 12-10. They're going to have Friday off, Saturday at 12-10, and then Sunday at 12 Now, where are they at? In Detroit. In De- that means this must be Detroit's home opener because that's what they always do when a team... They play a lot of day games, though. Yeah. And when teams have their home opener... Generally, they play one day, they off the next day, and then they finish it up. In case the weather's bad for that home opener, then they can reschedule it for the very next day. So, But a weird week in this schedule. It really is. The good Do, thing is they're playing teams that aren't that why, great. Why does, I don't understand why baseball just doesn't schedule many of their games on the West Coast and in dome stadiums early. I mean, good grief. Some of these games are played in 20-degree weather. It's just brutal. Maybe the college baseball teams are the smartest. Yeah. I think I saw some of the Little League teams in McPherson over the weekend, like the eight-year-old teams. They were playing up in Salina at that indoor turf place. Uh Uh-huh. They were playing inside. I never played indoor baseball. Never did, no. But it's not a bad idea. McPherson College has already played 32 games. That's crazy. That is crazy. Coach Moses, I went out yesterday. He's got the Bulldogs going, man. He's the man. He is the man. Steve, let's take one more break. We'll preview everything that's coming up today for McPherson High Sports. There's a ton of stuff going on. We'll do that next. You're listening to According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBBE. You are listening to the According to Jim podcast with Jim Joyner and Steve Self. According to Jim is brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmers State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. You can also listen live Monday through Friday from 12.30 to 1 p.m. on 96.7 FM KBBE or online at midkansasonline.com.
Ramping up today's According to Jim, 96.7 FM, KBDE, Jim Joyner, and the geography expert, Steve Sell. Now, what year did California become a state? 1850. You got it. You That's been because a gold I rush forgot guy. about the California gold rush. You could have panned for gold. Can't you see yourself back in the 1850s making your way through the Colorado River and no. really finding some great chunks of gold and selling them for big money? No. What about like 1950? You think you could have seen yourself living there in 1950? No. Where do you think you could see yourself living besides independence? Probably not. <laughs> independence or McPherson or Lawrence. Yeah, that's there it. it is. That's, yep. Three, the perfect that's the only, triangle. Only three places I've ever lived. Well, Steve, it's going to be a fun day of bullpup sports today, a very busy day, as we've got tennis in action, baseball and softball, also track and field. Am I missing anything else? I don't. Soccer yeah. on the road at Circle. That's right. So this will be a jam-packed day. Let's start off with soccer going on the road at Circle. That's going to be a 6.30 start in Tawanda. Tawanda. One of our favorite places there. Oh, yeah. Coming off of a second-place finish last week in their McPherson Invitational, a 2-1 loss to May South. This is a good week for this team because they get to take their foot off the gas a little bit. Last week was a three-game week, a Monday, or a might have been a Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. Right. So being able to back off a little bit just with two games, and they had a slip-up against Circle last year and tied with them, and they should be able to beat Rose Hill on Thursday. Right. But a good couple of days to well, step a- back away from the extremely tough competition. Coach Adrian said Circle will be one of the best teams we play this year. So uh, as far as the in the league, so this he says the league title, you know, really this could be a real determining factor because when you look at the rest of the league, it's not real strong. And at least with Thursday and Rose Hill coming back to t- to town, we will not be broadcasting that game on Thursday because we'll be out at baseball. They will have. Bueller coming to town, so we were prioritizing that one and throughout the afternoon a little bit earlier. Baseball and softball today on the road at Salina, and they are both playing in triangulars. The baseball team will be at Dean Evans Stadium, 3 and 5 o'clock today to take on Salina Central, and then at 5 o'clock, Topeka West. Softball team with the same schedule, they will be at the Burke Complex. Is Bill, that, Bill Burke. Is that on Kansas Wesleyan's campus? No, Bill Burke uh, Complex is on Crawford, I believe. Okay. I think it's if you're if you're heading east on Crawford, it's on the east side or north side. But I find it odd that McPherson's playing the first two games because Topeka West is is got the farthest to travel. I don't know. Yeah, they are. They do. Maybe they requested Could the be. late game. Could be. They they certainly are. are driving I'm further. certainly happy McPherson's the first two games. I I was pretty pleased with it too. Maybe Coach Gerstner had some some great bargaining skills. But both baseball and softball. In desperate need of some wins here yeah, this week. Yeah, need to. And the baseball team has got to get the bats going. The bats have been in the deep freeze. The softball team, they really have put up some nice numbers at the plate so far. Well, this you look year. at all their losses, and they're they've all been pretty close. And they've all been fairly high scoring too. Yeah, it feels like. Yeah. Where the baseball team has had some problems with putting together big innings. They've only got 15 hits in four and, in four and games. And both teams really struggling in the field. So maybe now that the weather's a little better. The concentration in the field will be a little better. It'll be easier to grip the baseball and handle the baseball. And both teams really kind of – they're both young. That's the thing. These are painfully young teams for baseball and softball this year. So we'll take the air at about 250 for baseball at Dean Evans Stadium. It would be nice if they would have been playing in Salina coming up in May for a state tournament. But they're now at the 5A level, and if they make state, they would be at Wichita State at – X Stadium, I think that's mm-hmm. the name of it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that would be where they would be, and n- none of these teams here would be playing in 4A. Topeka West and Salina Central, both 5A teams. The other one I think I left out, Steve, track and field 
at Newton, okay. at Bethel College. Okay. This was a team that ran and competed pretty well last week at Andale. This will be the first of two meets coming up this week and another chance for these teams to on the men's and women's side to or girls and boys side, yeah. to continue to put up good numbers. Yeah, and they put up some pretty good numbers down at Andale on Friday, but this time I think there'll be team scores kept. So be interesting to see how the Bullpups match up. At Andale, it was just a participation meet. You're not a big fan of participation medals, are you, Steve? No. You get all fired up about that. Yes. You yell at those little seven-year-olds and oh, say, I scream you finish in fifth place, you don't deserve a trophy. <laughs> you don't deserve a pizza banquet. Is that what you did with your teams back in the day, Steve? No. You'd I wrap didn't. up the year, you'd go have a pizza banquet at, at the local pizza joint in we had. We didn't have end-of-the-year banquets in my school. Why not? We not just, even when you were little? We, we just didn't. Your American Legion teams? We did. We, no, we just didn't. That's what we would do. We would go to this pizza place called Pizza Shop. Well, I was, and that you got to remember, I was, I was born in the... Dark, in the Dust Bowl? In the Dark Ages. You you approached the Dust Bowl. Yeah, I do. Well, at least you weren't out in California. I wasn't. Have you been to Disneyland? I have. As in the land, as in L.A.? Yes. Ooh. Yeah. What'd you think? What year was it? I was 10, I believe. 10 or 11. So 1928? Uh, a little later than that? 1967 or oh, 8. Oh, okay. Yeah. Something, somewhere around That'd be there. a good time to be at Disneyland. Yeah. What do you think of characters in costumes? I, I, Were you not a fan of Mickey Mouse? No. When Mickey walks up to you, you get a little hesitant. I just, I, I just like the rides that went fast. What about mascots? Like if Slugger, Royals mascot, if he if he walks up to you I and would, says, "Hey, Steve," I, I would just probably ignore. I, I just, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I'm not a big fan of mascots for pro teams. I just don't think it's Casey Wolf. Well, he always beats his head against the goalpost, so I get a kick out of that. But not Mickey Mouse. Not Mickey Mouse. Donald. The duck is he no. a Disney character? I don't know. Yeah, Donald is, is, Daffy is the one. He's the one that's the Looney Tune. You gotta remember, I, it's been fifty years since I've been a kid. I don't remember stuff like that. You gotta remember, Steve. You you got a steel trap. You can remember who the twelfth president was, though. That's right. And oh, you want me to say who it I is? Do. Uh, it was. Uh, let's see. Polk was eleven. Must have been Zachary Taylor was twelve. It would be Zachary Taylor. Yeah. Steve, on that note. We'll wrap up today's show. For Steve Sell, I'm Jim Joyner. Thanks for listening to According to Jim. We'll see you this afternoon at Dean Evans Stadium in Salina. According to Jim with Jim Joyner and Steve Sell was brought to you by Great Plains Federal Credit Union, Farmer State Bank with branch locations in McPherson, Lindsborg, and Galva, Next Tech Wireless, and Brown Shoe Fit in downtown McPherson. Make sure to listen to According to Jim every weekday from 1230 to 1 p.m. right here on 96.7 FM KBBE.